Well, hi there again, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Three Point Podcast. Yes, three guys, three generations, three different takes. I'm the official grandpa now, Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone, our Gen Xer, Matt Burns of ESPN. And here in the studio, our millennial, Jared Fatel of WJSZ and Fox 17 out of Grand Rapids. Our sponsors tonight include the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast, Recording Home, Z92.5, The Castle. We'll also be checking in a little later on with our oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap, and also a special guest tonight, Ryan Terpstra, will be joining us. We'll talk about a variety of different sports topics, but first, guys, let's get into the week that was, and as you know, last week I was a grandpa to beat. And now I'm an official grandpa, so how about that? Well, congratulations, man. That's exciting. So it was a little bit longer of a process than you thought. Oh. So what, what, were you do, what were you doing this entire time? Were you getting interpretations I, I, on all the text I was sending to your dad and the rest of the family by chance? I would just ask, like... What's up, right? No, this is like, yeah, it was like, I, I kind of forgot about it. Like, then it was like, or the night you were supposed to have, I think it was like a Thursday. Last right? Thursday, yeah. And I was like... Did, it, did Amy have her baby? And then it kind of, and then like no, and then it kind of became like a running thing for a few days. Yeah, or... it became some drama. It started out uh, Amy and her husband Keith were expecting a baby, of course, and uh, last Thursday uh, they were going to get to induce her. Okay, to induce her that means start the labor process. So she checked into the hospital at nine. They started the uh, inducing at about eleven. And that was Thursday. So Thursday came. No, can I? Why go ahead? Like, do it like so late at night, or is this in the morning? No, this is morning. Okay, nine okay. o'clock Never in the mind. morning. I was say, like, that didn't make sense. And then, but... then got the drugs at eleven. You know, and it's supposed to start the labor. Like I said, well, we went through Thursday. You know, and things were going slow. And then we get to Friday. Things are still going slow. No baby. Uh, the baby didn't want to leave. Apparently, it was nice and comfy so in there. So what do you do? I've always wondered this. When it's like a long labor, like. Do you just like turn on the TV? Like, what? I guess I don't get it. Yeah, there's a TV in the room. Or is it like as, um, is it so like high strung like as I see in the movies? Never have been in the room. Ne- it's, um, uh, you know, you envision, you know, the woman is just screaming and yeah. yelling, and that, that that's kind of false. Well, you... Maybe Matt can bring a little bit of that to it. It does happen, but it's kind of <laughs> right at the end. It's okay. not leading up to yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you're having pains, and yeah, I'm not going to shortchange the amount of pain, but it comes and goes. But it, this was just a waiting process, and it was just agony waiting so long. The good news is, you know, I'll try to get to the end of the story here. So at 4.30 in the morning... <laughs> Little Harper arrives, and, uh, you know, I am prejudiced without a doubt, but just a beautiful little baby. Everything's good. The, the mother and uh, and Harper doing well. She, uh, Everybody out there that might be interested, the women that are listening maybe, she was uh, 7 pounds, 8 ounces, 20 and a half inches, and uh, a Sunday baby. And we're, everybody's happy. That's the biggest thing. Everyone's healthy and happy. So what were you, what were you doing this whole time? Well, sitting in the waiting room, uh, sitting in the waiting room, you know, uh, making small talk with the in-laws, uh, watching the husband, you know, this is first time parents, you know, and he's all nerved up, you know, and wondering what's going on and questioning different things, which I understand. And after a while, uh, I kind of had a bail out of the area for a little bit that it was just getting a little bit too much because of all the tension from all the waiting around, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then after Harper was born, you know, Amy needed some rest because if you're going 64 hours in labor, 
essentially. You hadn't had any rest, so she's getting a little bit ornery, which is understandable. There's people wanting to visit, and finally I just I said, you know what, I'm going to wait downstairs. If, if, if it's time to go in and see the baby again, just tell me, but I'm going to get yeah. out of this madhouse for a while. So that, that was my story. But like I said, uh, every, everybody's doing well. Grandma's just in heaven. She's still down there in Indy kind of helping them get settled in. It was a good weekend. Now you got grandpa duty. Absolutely. So really looking forward to that, and uh, really is a precious little uh, blessing from up above. Are you nervous about your grandpa duties? Not whatsoever, no. <laughs> it is. It's a Harper. Okay, Harper. So it's a girl, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Never yeah. mind. I was going to say, you, you don't have the experience reason uh, boys could be. No, that's all right. You don't have to worry about that yet. Not at all. And, and uh, yeah, the best thing about being a grandpa, they do go home at night to their parents. Exactly. Don't have to change as many diapers either. So what about you, Matt? Did you have any uh, interesting story with the birth of your daughter? Uh, ours didn't last as long. Uh, we did, we were there for two two nights before, well, it went into the second night before she was born. So it, it did last a while. Not as long as, as your experience there, but uh, it was long. Not, nothing too dramatic. Nothing like what you guys are, like what Jared was saying with the movies. You know, we just did a lot of laps around the hallways in the oh, hospital yeah. and Watched a lot of TV and, you know, just kind of hung out. It was more just like a long wait and see. Like, you know, it was getting to the point where, like, all right, when's this going to happen? So nothing too dramatic. Everything went fine. So, so yeah, ours was uh, pretty easy going, I would say, from, from my vantage point. You know, I, I wasn't the actual, the one doing it. Now, now, what was your participation? Did, were you right there? Did you cut the umbilical cord? Did you do all that stuff? I did, yeah. I was right there, and, you know, I was involved in everything, just trying to be encouraging and, you know, get the ice chips and, you know, water when, when necessary and all that kind of stuff, just, you, just doing basically whatever I was Did you cut told. the umbilical cord? <laughs> Is that a thing? That's a thing. Did you do that? I did, yeah. Oh, yep. good God. Here's another one that'll gross you out, Jared. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, a fair share Quite of people, they eat, they eat the placenta. They, they cook it and eat it. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Have you ever heard of that, Matt? I have, yeah. I know a lot of people do it because I mean, there's there's like a like a cultural thing, you know, kind of like an emotional thing or whatever. But right. it's supposed to be like the the healthiest thing in in the world that you can eat. So Matt, not not something I'd be interested in, but you nope. know, whatever to each of their own. That's right. It kind of it's see, but with your tone, from what I could tell through the phone, sounded like you kind of said that, and like your eyes were darting back and forth. Like, <laughs> yeah, who would do that, guys? Come on, <laughs> who would do that? I I did not eat. I did not eat that. <laughs> I can definitely say that. He's on record, Jared. <laughs> he would not lie about so that. So last question. Yeah. So you never, you just sat in the waiting room the whole time? Did you ever go like, go out to, you, went, you left Oh, Oh, time. no, no, I take that back. No, we, Amy and Keith's apartment was like three and a half minutes from the hospital. Oh, so okay. there was times we went back there and slept at their, at their place. So no, we didn't sit there for 64 hours in the waiting room. Okay. No. I'm glad you asked but that those, question. Those chairs in the waiting room, they, they get pretty uncomfortable. Oh, they're awful at this hospital, too. I mean, they're a very nice hospital. They did a good job. But, man, the waiting in that waiting room was awful. Those chairs are totally you uncomfortable. Hospital food? Had hospital food. It was, uh, it was medium at best. Uh, I had breakfast one day. I had, uh, <laughs> had some sandwiches other days. Nice. I had a decent chicken noodle soup. It was okay. Standard hospital fare. Yeah, our, our hospital food in, in Bristol, my, my daughter was born up in Bristol in Connecticut. Our, the, the hospital had some good food, actually. And they the night that she was born, they gave us, like, a gourmet meal with steaks and nice. mashed potatoes and stuff like that. So I, the, the hospital food where we were at was actually pretty good. Here's a hot take that I know I think Ted's going to have a problem with this. So, Uh-oh. 
like the whole steak, like I would, I'm never one to order a steak at a restaurant. It's kind of like, it's a steak. Like how good can you make it? Am I alone in that? Like, just give me a pizza. Give me a cheeseburger. Oh, uh, if I'm out on the company and like at a convention or, you know, out with some customers and I go to a really good steakhouse, you cannot beat the steak at a, at, I'm talking about I like a Ruth Chris, uh, you know, a Morton's. One of the major, I mean, where you're paying, you know, 50 bucks for a steak. I mean, they truly are unbelievable. But I am with you. I usually don't order steak at a restaurant because, first of all, it's it's way too high priced to me when I can get a nice cut and put it on the grill, and it's mouth-watering. What do you think, Matt? Are you on yeah, the steak well, that's, train? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There, there is a difference between, and it's, it's nothing against, like, a Applebee's or whatever, but there is a difference between getting a steak at a place like, like Applebee's and going to, like, a Ruth Chris. I mean, they're, right. they're using higher-quality meat and everything like that and probably cooking it a little differently. So, so there is a difference, but I'm, I'm not a huge steak guy. I mean, I'll eat it if someone makes it, but... I very rarely order steak. I'm just not a big, big mm. steak guy. Well, we segue that into Fourth of July plans. We are coming up on the holiday, and you know, barbecues, steaks are always high on the list. Hot dogs, uh, kielbasa. Uh, what's your favorite Fourth of July uh, cookout food, Matt? I mean, if it is something like that, like a Fourth of July, a holiday, you know, Labor Day, something like that, where everyone's hanging out, you know, grilling. That that is a good you know steak or burgers stuff like that. That that is a good meal to have. But I'm always more about the sides. I'm about the potato salad, the taco salad, um, you know whatever kind of desserts or stuff like that. I'm more about the sides. That's what I'm filling my plate up with. You were over two on both those takes. Baked beans. <laughs> baked beans. Baked beans love, are the love best. Some baked beans some bacon. too. Oh, your mom does make a a great baked bean. Or mac and cheese. Like mac and cheese is underrated. Like that should be at every. Uh, like barbecue, it never is. What about corn casserole? Oh, yeah, actually, you reminded me. I, I haven't had that in a long time. Hopefully, it's going to be at your house in a couple weeks. Uh, it might be. It might be on oh, the menu. If you said at uh, every barbecue, then if you're talking a southern barbecue, like down here, mac and cheese is a staple. People take their mac and cheese down here seriously. Oh, yeah. Coleslaw. Coleslaw is a big thing, too. Oh, I'm getting hungry, guys. <laughs> Have you ever heard like people use mustard with coleslaw? Like it's... they replace mustard instead Re- of. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's wild. And they put Greek root yogurt. I know there's different kinds of coleslaw. I've never heard of mustard, though. They put mustard in it, and then they put Greek yogurt in it, like flavorless, like to give it the white color, but it's like, Hmm. Coleslaw kind of sucks, period. I think we can all agree. No, I kind of like coleslaw. I even like like, coleslaw. Yeah, and I like it on sandwiches, too. Like, with what type of meat? Well, there's a there's a famous uh, sandwich place originated in Pittsburgh. Actually, I had one of my lunches down in Indy. I think it's called Pinelli Brothers, and they, what they do is they put you can. I had a roast beef sandwich, and it's it's their specialty sandwich. But you have a whole bunch of roast beef. You got French homemade French fries on the sandwich, and it's topped with coleslaw. the 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 taste combination is just incredible. But you gotta like coleslaw. The, yeah. Okay. The French fries on burgers. I love that move. I do that all the time when I go to like McDonald's. Great. I put the fries on it. Okay. Matt, are you in on that? I've I've done that a couple times. I've never done it like on my own. I've ordered burgers that have it on there, but I've never done it on my own. I may as well start. Yeah, and another another nice treat I do like on my burger is a fried egg. That's also Delicious. a good taste combination. I had that at Rivals actually. Yeah, same here. You know what? Speaking of Rivals, well, let's lead right into that. Rivals Tap House and Grill. 
That's the spot to meet up with your friends, catch all your favorite sporting events, including the World Cup. And by the way, Germany went down, the defending champion. They're done. But they got 21 great big screen TVs there, weekly food and drink specials, including awesome burgers. You can get one with one of those fried eggs on it. They got wings, pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. All right. Well, now is as good a time as any for uh, this this podcast guest. His name's Ryan Terpstra. He lives on the, the west side of Michigan. Him and I met when, when we were both working at Fox 17 over there, Jared's, uh, Jared's new place of work. We got our start over there. Uh, I, I tweeted out a picture today of a Michigan game that we did back in the day, back in 2009, the Tate Forcier era. Legendary. Uh, when we, we were on the field for that, that Notre Dame game. Ryan, what do you remember about that game? How awesome was that? Uh, well, that was pretty incredible as a Michigan fan. Um, you have to quietly stand there and just watch and try not to go absolutely nuts when you're a member of the media. But, I mean, what a what a finish and what a game that was. And, I mean, Tate Forcier, man. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, led Michigan to that national title. 18-year-old kids playing sports always pan out. It always looks just the way that it was that you initially thought it would. He definitely didn't end up hanging out a random window in Grand Rapids and not being a part of the program at any point. <laughs> we will always have Notre Dame, right, Matt? We will exactly. always have Notre Dame game. Yeah, we actually, on a previous podcast, we were we were talking about some of our favorite Michigan players, and, and Jared said that Tate was one of his favorite Michigan quarterbacks he, ever. He was my uh, – him and Denard Robinson. Both of them won uh, the coveted September Heisman Award that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I mean, you can stock your shelves with September Heismans, and you'll be part of a very elite group because they don't give those out very often just to, like, freshman or sophomore Michigan quarterbacks. So so let me ask you this. Are you, are you a Rich Rod fan, or are you out on Rich Rod 100%? I, I uh, did not really like the fact that uh, Rich Rodriguez decided to not bring a defense to Ann Arbor. <laughs> I thought that was probably not the best game plan there was for a college football team, but um, I also don't think that Rich Rodriguez got the fairest shake in the entire world at Michigan, and uh, he kind of showed what he is now at Arizona. I mean, they can score some points. They will upset some people. They're not really a factor year in and year out in the Pac-12. So it ultimately was going to end the way that it ended at Michigan. Um, I think there was fault on both sides. I now can never listen to a Josh Groban song the same way ever again. So that's my feelings on Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> I was kind of in the same boat. I mean, I think everyone at the time was excited for Rich Rod. He was the hottest coach in the country at the time, but it obviously didn't end well. But, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Ryan, he got his start at Fox 17, but had a little radio show at the ESPN affiliate uh, in Grand Rapids, 96.1. I saw you are doing stuff for Crush Life Poker. You got a podcast there. and and doing stuff for, for Voyage Pitchers over there in Grand Rapids. So so you got a bunch of stuff going on, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I've got, like, all kinds of little jobs. My main, my main gig is in video production. You know, I, I kind of moved out of the sports media realm. I enjoy it a lot. We work with different companies, and I'm actually, you know, in talks with doing a sports basketball-related project, which is, is pretty fun to kind of get back into that a little bit. You know, I, I I have the the poker hobby on the side, which has been a lot of fun, and just yeah, just doing all kinds of things. Occasionally, getting asked to talk sports on the radio again with the guys like you, I appreciate it. I, I enjoy still bantering back and forth. I mean, it's in your DNA. 
when you're in the business that we're in, and uh, it's always fun to have a chance to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, still keeping tabs on everything. The future isn't bright right now for many, many Detroit sports teams. It's very odd when you're like, man, I hope the Lions start playing games soon. I mean, usually the most the most fun part about their season is the off season. But now I'm like, can the Lions start playing games? I mean, this Tigers team has been exposed. They are who we thought they were. And uh, this is, you know, not so fun anymore. So I kind of need football to start sometimes. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll just uh, pick it up there. We're talking Michigan football already, so... I saw Sports Illustrated. They put out their uh, their list of top 100 players in all of college football, and, and Michigan had six players in that top 100, the most of any team in the Big Ten. So so you've got that. You've got Shea Patterson transferring in. Of course, Jim Harbaugh is, is still the head coach. So the expectations are there. So, so Ryan, what – as a Michigan guy, what are what are your expectations in, in Ann Arbor this year? Well, man, my expectations have been kind of the same for the last couple of years, and that's that, that this year, this season, is the year that Michigan needs to contend for a Big Ten championship. Uh, Harbaugh has had enough time now to recruit the players he wants into his system to attract the level of talent he thinks he needs, and it's showing in that Sports Illustrated ranking article that you just referenced. He's Got a guy like Rashawn Gary, who's one of the best defenders in the country, now let alone in the Big Ten Conference. You've got a lot of young, talented players in the defensive secondary. Devin Bush is one of the best linebackers in the country. And defensively, this team is ready to compete at the very top levels of college football. Offensively, there's going to be questions about the offensive line, but the skill guys are in place. And also, you finally have the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has ever had in Ann Arbor, in Shea Patterson. So, I don't think there are any more excuses. There's no more this team is too young, this team doesn't have enough talent. Or um, There's, there's going to be people that try and make excuses for Michigan because of their schedule. It's very difficult. But that doesn't matter anymore. This needs to be a program that goes out and beats top-of-the-line competition, the Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Penn State, Wisconsin's of the world, and establishes themselves. So as a Michigan fan, guys, 8-4 and four and 9-3 and three is totally unacceptable. 10-2 and two is not even acceptable. They, they really need to go out there, have an 11-1 type of season, make the Big Ten championship game, and then you let the chips fall where they may with the college football playoff. But it's my belief if you make that Big Ten title game, you win your side of the Big Ten, you're going to be in the conversation for that football playoff, and then you have your shot at competing for a national title. So this is the year, guys. In my opinion, this is the year Michigan has got to make it happen. I don't see any excuses being relevant for Michigan football this time around. So I've had this debate with uh, my brothers and my friends, and I'm actually on the side of that. So if Michigan loses to both Ohio State and Michigan State, say they win the rest of their games, but they lose those two games, I personally don't think we should call for Jim Harbaugh's job. But I want, what do you think, Ryan? Do you think that you would be calling for Jim Harbaugh's job? I would not fire Jim Harbaugh for going 10-2. and two. I would consider the season a failure because if you lose to Michigan State and Ohio State, that means you haven't competed for the Big Ten Championship. You're going to finish third in the conference or second in the conference again, on your side of the conference. And that's the failure. A uh, 10-win season and a bowl win, that's not a fireable offense. But if you're telling me, oh, we had a good season, I would tell you, no, you haven't. Because the ultimate goals have yet to be completed. And this is the year that they need to achieve their ultimate goals. Rashawn Gary's going pro after this year, guys. You're going to lose him. You could probably see a guy like uh, Devin Bush go pro and some other guys, too. They are lucky to have Chase Winovich back. They are lucky the NCAA ruled in favor of Shea Patterson, even though that was kind of the thought process when he decided to transfer. 
all the pieces are in place, they are not going to have the same level of impact players next season. So football windows are so tight. They're extremely tight in the NFL when you're trying to win with a certain group of players because of the salary cap. It's the same in college football. You have guys that reach their peak at a certain point, and then a lot of times after they reach that peak, they declare because football careers are so short. So when you have a window open and you have the guys in place to compete, you have to do it. And that's what I see Michigan is having. They have an open window in 2019. Yeah, you make, you make a great point, Ryan, because if Harbaugh doesn't get it done this year and contend for a Big Ten title, at least win their division, um, you're going to get the trickle-down effect, and the recruits are definitely going to go elsewhere, and you're going to see a drop, I think, in the recruiting process. Well, they're doing pretty good recruiting right now. Right. Uh, they're number five in the country and number one in the Big Ten as of the time that we're recording. But there's no doubt that there's going to be negative recruiting used against them because, one, they haven't got it done. And, two, coaches will go out there and tell recruits, they're going to fire Jim Harbaugh. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But that weighs on 16-, 17-year-old kids' minds. And if you go out there and win, no one talks like that. No one cares about that. The guy – Kids want to come to Michigan. You're seeing it right now. They still haven't done anything technically under Jim Harbaugh, but that juice only lasts so long when you're a guy that's known for winning and you're not winning. So, yes, Harbaugh needs to win so he can attract the next Rashawn Gary, so he can attract these guys and keep things running because eventually two your assistants get hired. It's not going to be a, a situation where Harbaugh has his staff intact. He recruits that way. Someone's going to give Don Brown a job in a year or two. So you also have to think about that. This window has the players and the coaches in place to win now, and therefore my expectation is for them to win. Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty. I mean, I think we're all kind of on on the same page. I mean, people gave people gave Harbaugh, you know, maybe a year or two to kind of get his, his players in place and everything like that. But I think, you know, difficult schedule aside, it, it, it's time to start beating the rivals. And it starts with, I mean, to Jared's point, you got to beat Michigan State and Ohio State to me. Yeah, and you've got them on, on weaker on weaker teams this year. They have some rebuilding to do in different spots. Michigan's schedule doesn't do them any favors. What it does do for them, though, is give them quality road wins, which will be inarguable when it comes time to debate playoff teams. So if you want to be in that conversation, here's how you do it. You go on the road and you beat your rivals and you beat the better teams that you play. So Michigan's got their chance to do that this season. So what do you think of the Michigan end zones? Because Matt, uh, he's got a hard-on for them. The fact that they changed their end zones from just green-colored, grass-colored, to blue. Do you love that move as much as Matt does, Ryan? Have you have you guys seen the finished product? I've seen photos. Uh, I think it's like Matt's uh, Twitter header now. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was So I was skeptical. I was skeptical at first. I see blue turf being rolled out, and I'm like, good God, did they just Boise our end zone? And that I would be a so fan of. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about it. But I have seen the finished product with the maze lettering in the end zones and the outline, and i got to say I kind of like it. <laughs> you guys just amaze me. I mean, I, that's about the most irrelevant thing to I, me that I could ever it, think it of. It was irrelevant to me as well, <laughs> but Matt, because Matt was so gung ho about it, it's it's like rattled my brain. It's forever in there. I think I might hate Michigan oh, now. I mean, I will say I like it, but I liked it before, so it doesn't even matter to me. Here's the best part about the end zones, guys, is the pearl clutching from all the Michigan traditionalists about it. That's true. That's the best part. <laughs> 
You know, you're a, you're a long-time uh, Michigan Wolverine fan, Ryan. Uh, what's it like? I know I've been down there and been on the sidelines. Uh, Jared's going to be able to do it here in his uh, future career. But how awesome is it being down there at the big house? You talked about it, that you were holding back cheering. And I know it's pretty much every press box you go into, they always tell you no cheering in the press box. But how awesome is it being there at the big house, up close and personal, and seeing how intense these games are played? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. As a member of the media, you do have to act impartial and professional at all times. The only times there's cheering in the press box is at Notre Dame. <laughs> by the, that's by the priests, and they're allowed to ask the Lord for forgiveness. <laughs> so, like, they get away with it. But it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I, I especially like the big house since they made the renovations. I think it holds the sound better. I think it's more intimidating in the, uh, you know, in the last few years. And when you get down to that ground level... And when you see the guys out of the tunnel, I mean, that's what's selling recruits. The atmosphere is just electric. And uh, I think that it's been improved at Michigan, too. And uh, that's something that you got to give credit to the athletic department for and the donors for executing. And I'm just, I'm very excited, um, you know, for another year. And I think that when the big wins come, there's just nothing more exciting. I've been to, uh, I went to that, of course, Tate 4 CA game with Matt. Uh, I was at the Denard Robinson to Jeremy Gallon to Roy Roundtree night game uh, with Notre Dame as well, and just those atmospheres are are unbeatable, and uh, I hope there's a lot of those coming up this season. Yeah, you know, we're creeping up on July, and you know, you can tell by our conversation here that that football is high on our minds. And you can just tell how bleak of a... um... Hist- like the, the past like ten years have been for Michigan fans when we consider the Tate Four C like the Tate Four C A game <laughs> the Tate Four C A era is an all time game. I mean, it was an all time game, especially that night game that Ryan's talking about, the Denard Robinson one. I mean, that was oh, that, that was, was the first under the lights game. Game day was there. That was a huge deal. But but right, I mean, we didn't not like we won a national championship that year or anything like that. But but definitely, I think we're all ready for football. But while we have you on the phone, uh, Ryan, let's. Let's get to Jared's favorite sport and talk a little Tigers baseball. What's going on with the Tigers right now? Well, let's first let's try not to make any insensitive comments today. Yeah, you got that we're right. Talking about them, they got rid of their pitching coach. Yeah, I don't know if you guys hadn't caught that news yet before we recorded, but it sounds like he made kind of an off the hand cuff remark to an employee, and it definitely wasn't kosher because they canned him really with no response other than he is fired, and we're not talking anything else about this. You know, the, the team fought really hard these first couple months, and there are a lot of good guys to root for on this squad. But honestly, the way I'm thinking about the Tigers right now is which pieces do you keep and which pieces do you uh, offer to contenders to try and improve yourself for the next year or two? Um, and that's really the, the scope that I'm considering this team right now. And I know that's a very kind of negative viewpoint for for people out there, but, I mean, you watch that series against Cleveland most recently, guys, they are on just a different level. Mm-hmm. And if you think that we're going to chase that team down, I think you're just, you got <laughs> you got a little grilling and, and chilling and drinking a little bit too early before you got into that consideration. <laughs> yeah, there's none of us on that train, that's for sure. Now talk, now talk, were. play hard, that's a different thing. No, we didn't say they were going to contend. Right. Have you heard, Ryan? Have you heard the sigma that they are playing? They're they're a group that plays really hard, young group of guys that just really play baseball hard. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like when you when you call a guy a hustler or a heady player, right? You're like, hey, it's kind of fun to watch him play, but they're not very good. Right. Yeah. It's 
but Matt and uh, Ted, they ate it up. They loved it. Oh, you're full of it. So we, we weren't eating it up. We were just saying that the team does play hard, and I, I think that's about the ceiling of this team is a team that plays hard. Right. I'm just, I'm just ready for them to start letting the young kids play. I mean, they're still giving Victor Martinez at bats, and, I mean, I guess they're paying him a ton of money, so they're kind of stuck with him, but it's time to start letting these kids play and see what, see what the future is. Yeah, does Victor have any value at all to a contending team and have a bat come off the bench or something? I mean, you, I agree with you. You don't even need to play Victor anymore. I loved what he did for the Tigers, but play the young kids. I, I, as, far, yeah, as far as trading any... Guys, and I, I think if you're going to have a bad team, you might as well have a team that people like. And, like, how can you not like Nico Goodrum and some of these dudes that, you know, play any position, do not have like a high profile as a prospect. They just grinded their way into the league, and now they're getting their chance. I mean, that's really fun to watch. The worst thing about Victor is that, you know, not only are they paying him all this money and they're getting zero production, they have to ride him out basically because of his status as a veteran player and also his status in the locker room and with other, you know, kind of Latin players within the league. If you just dump him unceremoniously, it's very very hard for your organization to overcome that kind of problem. Um, players and agents do not like to see that done to a guy that has a lot of respect around the league. And I think the Tigers are just in a tough spot where they're like, look, we're done paying him after this year. We can't trade him. There's nothing that we really gain by sitting him because it's not like we have a DH prospect that we have to check out. Uh, that no one's happier right now that Christian Stewart is struggling than the Tigers' management because otherwise there would be so many calls to promote him and try him out at DH. And I think they are just committed to riding out Victor as long as they can, probably internally hoping that he breaks down in a month or two and they can just put him on the DL and, and have a shot with the kids. But right now, as long as he's healthy and in one piece, they literally can't do anything but just bat him and say, hey, we're going to lose games anyway, so we're just going to not take the bad internal publicity by cutting this guy or benching him or insulting him that way. And baseball's a funny game, but if you know anything about baseball, you know that this is the thought process attached to some of these veteran players. Here's an idea, Ryan. I just popped into my mind. You know, you mentioned the fact that he's he's a great uh, clubhouse guy. You know, he he has a great rapport with the Latin players, obviously. Why not have uh, Gardy or the GM, you know, pull him in the office, sit down with him, say, hey, Victor, we love what you've done for this organization. We want you to be in this organization long term. What do you think about maybe being a, a player coach to round out this season, maybe learn a few things about coaching, and we'll find a spot for you? I think the guy's got too much pride. I mean, you're asking him to retire in the middle of the year, basically, and I just I just don't see that happening. They've had problems with him before. This is not the first time that we talked about dropping him in the batting order. Ausmus wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. and now Gardenire won't do it. There's a reason two guys won't do this, guys. This dude will not accept that demotion, and uh, you know, he has a great rapport with the players and things like that, but I just, I don't see him accepting something like that. If you can't drop him to seventh in the order, you can't say, hey, we're going to play or coach you and essentially announce the world that you're retired and it's just a farewell tour. Right. So, and it's like almost a pity position. Well, that, I don't think that works for a guy like him. Well, then that's too bad. Then they, the, the Tigers' uh, management, then they have no balls because the guy's not producing. You know, what do you usually do with a guy like that? You either bench him. It's not going to do you any good to move him down in the order because he's a one-base-at-a-time player at this stage of his career and he can barely run the bases at all. 
I mean, you got to make a decision that's best for the club, and the club doesn't need Victor Martinez right now, pure and simple. And, you know, we're picking on him, but you, they've got to build for the future, and they've got a good start with Garden Hire. I think he works well with young players. They've got some decent young players coming up through the system, it seems like, and that's just time now just to let them play. I don't disagree with the thought process. I just think the team's chosen to buy $25 million of goodwill and keep losing games. If they were in contention, this might be a different story, but they're not. So I think the team has just decided that this is their course of action and the fans are just going to have to live with it no matter how much we hate watching him hit soft fly balls every time he's got <laughs> men on base or ground into the shift every single time he's up to bat. Fair enough. I saw someone joking around about the pitching coach that got let go that, that you were talking about earlier. And they said maybe the reason he got let go is because he questioned Garden Hire and why do you keep hitting Victor Martinez number four in the lineup? <laughs> and that's a zero tolerance uh, rule right there. Don't do that, right? Because exactly. his problem is he probably accurately described Victor's play, and his word that was accurate was so insulting they had to fire him. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Well, hey Ryan, maybe we'll start to get you out of here on this. Uh, we got to ask you about the Pistons, and you know they just hired the reigning coach of the year in the NBA. It, it should be a big deal. Right? Right, but to me, I got to be honest. It, it's not that exciting of a hire. I feel like they're just going to be almost like the Raptors 2.0. Like they might, he might improve the players, or he, you know, he might improve their play. But we know they're not going to really do anything in the East, especially if LeBron ends up staying in the Eastern Conference. But, but what do you think about the hire? What do you think about the Pistons? How weird is that? You hire a guy that wins Coach of the Year, <laughs> and he got fired. As <laughs> I mean, like that can't have ever happened before, right? No, I think so. <laughs> It's insane. And like the, the NBA is so weird. Uh, awards. Coach of the Year was fired. Defensive Player of the Year played 50-some games. And Rookie of the Year actually was drafted two years ago. <laughs> it was very, very strange from an awards standpoint. I don't know, guys. I mean, if he elevates the team and they start making the playoffs, you say Raptors 2.0. I mean, the Raptors are a, a very good example of NBA purgatory at a different level. Right now, the Pistons are in NBA purgatory because they're not, they don't suck enough to get a top three or four pick, but they're also like just good enough that they could eventually get in the playoffs and get eliminated by an actually good team. So if they get elevated higher and get to Raptors purgatory, that means you're, you're good enough to be like a top four seed, but there's no way you're ever winning anything because you don't have LeBron or you don't have Steph Curry or you don't have a super team like Boston has kind of built. And that's the NBA right now. I mean... You have to get lucky and basically draft somebody like a Kawhi Leonard or something like that and then hope that you build enough around them to make a run. But right now, guys are just turning the NBA into AAU teams and all the rest of the teams are left sitting around just growing superstars for them to pick off eventually. The, the last great Pistons team was a team concept, defense first, and after they beat this stud type of team after they beat the Lakers the NBA changed the rules defensively to make it harder and now you have never seen a team like that win ever since you... and until Detroit gets lucky a couple times in the lottery and gets some superstars they will never get out of that purgatory level that like Milwaukee's in or Toronto's in or Minnesota's in you're just never getting any better than those teams and that's really sad to see that. You have to kind of wait for guys like LeBron to age out of the league and hope that you have a chance down the road. So you you missed that like 2004 play style 68 to 60 style of play, Ryan? You can't be serious. I didn't, I didn't necessarily say that I missed that style of play. 
What I miss is the fact that other teams could actually win. I miss the parody of that era because the Pistons had to beat teams like the Pacers, LeBron's Cavaliers. Um, you know, you had other teams getting to the finals every year and playing each other and having a shot at each other. Now, I understand the rule change because of that was not fun to watch. I also get a little bored when we're getting ready for Warriors, LeBron, four or five, and, you know, it's just like watching Rocky movies over and over and over <laughs> again every season, and it's just it's getting old to me, and the league is built for that to happen for the next five years. Hey, let's, uh, let's end on this, Ryan. It's been our topic of debate a few shows now, and it's going to go until we know where he is going to end up. LeBron, what's your gut feel? Where do you think he's going to end up? He's going to end up wherever Kawhi Leonard or Paul George is available, and uh, right now it's looking like Los Angeles. Which That's what I think. Right I don't know moment. why he does that because, you know, LeBron kind of is a legacy guy, so he went to a place that had no legacy, right, Miami. I'm the, I can be the greatest player in Miami history. Then, of course, Cleveland, the hometown, has no history of winning. I don't know why you go to Magic Johnson and Jerry West City and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar City, but the attraction of L.A. is the attraction of L.A., and uh, I think he's just going to end up there because he knows he needs more to beat uh, Golden State, and he can't get that in Cleveland. So if he's going to leave, he might as well just get entirely out of the conference and uh, go somewhere else. He's not going to go to, like, Philadelphia or something. I think he's going the whole way to the West and uh, get set up with a team that has the financial and flexibility with young players to make the trades and moves that he needs them to make. And I think that's ultimately probably where he ends up, especially now that Kawhi Leonard has said, I want out of San Antonio. That's like the perfect pairing with LeBron. That's exactly who he needs to go to war with Durant and Curry with. I think that really tipped the scales when Leonard decided that he was going to get out of San Antonio. Fair enough. Well, tell us where uh, where people can follow you on Twitter, Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Terp himself, and uh, I tweet about everything, most often sports, but sometimes about like poker or beer. And uh, if you like just you know, red meat, all-American tweets. You can probably find better ones somewhere else, but I tweet about that stuff, too. Let me ask him one Go more ahead. Thing. Go ahead. So, in your poker, you mentioned it was a hobby. Is that a profitable hobby, or are you playing for fun? That is a very profitable hobby. I might have to get lessons, then. I've never played poker. Well, so. I'll tell you what. We need, to, we need to get Ryan on again in the near future, because I am intrigued about uh, his his poker uh ability and strategy and i know you're our resident gambler and if you play poker right you're not gambling right ryan well that is that is the thought process and i'm flying out to vegas a week from tomorrow to play in a world series event so we can report back uh later that's something i do every year and yeah hopefully i I take something down and we can talk about a big score all right let's lock it in on the calendar all right all right guys well appreciate the time yeah thank you see you thanks ryan all right great stuff from Ryan Terpster there, guys. I love his take on sports, and definitely he can break it down, right? Yeah, he knows the stuff, and uh, I guess uh, we're going to have to get into a little poker talk with him at some point. Yeah, I can't wait to hear Am his I take on that. never playing poker? Have you, both of you guys know how to play poker? Uh, I know the basic concept of it, but I'm not a huge card player in general, so about, about the only extent I got is euchre. advanced mind. I've never gotten huge into poker. I play a ton of euchre. I mean, I, I play a lot of euchre. But uh, Texas Hold'em, like the World Series of Poker, what Ryan was talking about, that got huge when I was in college, like, you know, being on TV, on ESPN and stuff like that. Right. So it seems like everyone in college was playing Texas Hold'em. 
I just I never really got into it though. Yeah, it's Fortnite nowadays. Fortnite, yeah, right. The, uh, right, Ted. That's the thing. The, the Fortnite, thing you know. Yeah, millennials. Were you impressed about that? That I even knew what that was. You really kind of don't. <laughs> I don't know the you concept know the of it. Yeah. That's all. You're right. I know Call of Duty. I know that's killing people. It's soldier stuff, right? Call of Duty. Funny you mentioned that. They're actually in the new one. They're going to have a Fortnite mode. Which, oh, like I said, you don't know what that is, but isn't that a tremendous drain of time? When you look I'm at the whole picture, playing it, but yeah. I mean, what's the difference between that and playing like what you guys used to play, like shoots and ladders? Uh, shoots and ladders. Huh? <laughs> Do you know shoots and ladders? I was good. I thought you were going to lead into uh, you know what's the difference between that and watching TV, and I was going to say, okay, I'll give you that, <laughs> no. but <laughs> no, I did not play shoots and ladders. Hey. Climbing trees. All right, let's get out of this. The Corona Connection. That's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Chiawassee County parts of Lennon. Pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses and Kroger. Like them on Facebook, and you can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at CoronaConnection.com. And every once in a while, you can read an article written by Jared Fattel, right? Yeah, for, for the next few months, then I think I'll have to hang up the... Uh pencil well at least for the chronic connection for a little while while i'm away but definitely a great newspaper to tune into there you go all right next up let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter jack strap great to have him back hello fred matt jerry how you doing Hey, listen, guys, uh, you know, 4th of July weekend's coming up, and uh, every 4th of July, we hang out at my cousin Leroy's house out there on Leisure Lake, and we love to grill out and drink beer, and uh, we have a 4th of July uh, tradition going back to the 60s. It's a pissing contest. I know it doesn't sound like sports, but, uh, you know, let me explain, guys. We light a small fire out in uh, Leroy's yard, and we see who can shoot their urine stream the furthest, extinguishing the small fire from his elevated back deck. And once those beers are flowing, fellas, you can really drain the vein. Now, back in the 60s and 70s, my nickname was Fire Hose. I could extinguish a fire pit along with his tall fescue grass in two minutes. Now that I'm 89 years old, my valves don't have the same pressure, if you know what I mean, and I can barely put out a lit match. But anyway, Jake has won the Strap Family Fire Hydrant Award the past 10 years. But with good food, family, and friends, the celebration of our nation's birth, all of us are winners. So uh, on my sports docket today, first the World Cup. As mentioned in the past, I'd rather watch the grass grow than watch a 0-0 zero to zero game in soccer. But I'm going to put my prediction down since I know the podcast clan wants to know what I think. As always, Brazil will win again. How can you bet against Brazil and Pele? He's simply the best. So take it to the bank, podcast people. Brazil will celebrate the 2018 World Cup title, and fans all over Brazil will drink and urinate from high balconies, riot in the street, and all those other crazy things that crazy soccer fans do. And, of course, we know the Russian government will probably send their home team to the Gulag for 20 years. 
All right, baseball, hot off the press. We have pitching coach for Detroit Tigers, Roger Craig, who was fired for insensitivity. The Tiger organization has not released the details of his verbal crime, but my guess, fellas, is that whatever he said, the punishment will not fit the crime. Of course, obviously, you know that I'm Mr. Sensitivity, so I probably would have been fired from a job 20 times. But it seems to me, guys, that the sensitivity police in this country have killed more innocent people than racist cops. They probably consulted with a group of crooked board attorneys and felt in today's climate that they could avoid a heavy lawsuit by proactively canning him. Of course, the PR machine will paint the picture as if the Tiger organization is pure and proud to take moral high ground with zero tolerance while they pat themselves on the back suggesting that they make a trip to Windsor to go to their favorite titty bar. Anyway, in basketball, congratulations to Jerry's man, James Harding, for capturing MVP of NBA. That's easy for me to say. And, of course, we have the great LeBron lottery debate. The guy mastered marketing on social media, keeping everyone guessing what his destination will be. But it's not a a big guess, guys. It's a slam dunk, pun intended, that he's going to retire a Los Angeles Laker based on his desire to play with magic. And last but not least, another sort of non-sports story, although maybe fishermen out there might disagree, Uh, There was a cool fishing story out of Florida this past week. A group of college kids entered a fishing contest, and an 18-year-old kid reeled in a 699-pound blue marlin to help his team win the tournament. And I guess the the kid was a buck 60, and it was a heck of a fight, but they got a story for life. But not only that, they netted a huge amount of cash getting $130,000 in the win. So anyway, guys, uh, I think that's it for now. Have a great day, and uh, I'm off to Leisure Lake early to celebrate. Take care. All right, guys. Well, until we wrap up this tournament, it's right now to talk Tournament of GOAT. That's the greatest all-time teams and athletes in Michigan. Basically, the the athletes on the uh, Lions, Tigers, Red Wings, and Pistons. So let me tee it up for you this week, all right? We have uh, on the Lions side of the bracket a number five taking on a number 12, a couple of tremendous Detroit Lions defensive backs. At the five seed, Lem Barney taking on Jack Christensen. Jared, I know you've done research. What do you got? For this one, I didn't need as much research. So when I went to my only, the only NFL game I've ever been to, Mm -hmm. uh, we went to see, like my dad asked us, like, what do you want to go to? Like, So we went and saw... uh, Lions versus the Atlanta Falcons and Michael Vick. Just okay. a great memory. So when we were there, we we it just happened to be Lem Barney had a brand new book out, The Supernatural. My dad bought like three copies that got autographed and everything. Have they been opened? Probably not. <laughs> I checked. I checked. Just got to flip through and find some facts. There was some dust on the cover in our library. <laughs> Let me borrow one of those, by the way. Okay. okay it, it, that's the type of, you will never read it. You say, like, yeah. No, Lem no, Barney, I will. I'll read it, but you never will. It's Lem Barney. Oh, you're going to go Lem Barney? Or you but gonna... I am picking Lem Barney, yes. Matt? That, that's kind of the way I was going to go. I saw he wore number 20, so as, as a Lions, you know, a Detroit Lion wearing number 20, that's kind of legendary. But something I thought was funny, I saw after, like, a post-career note on Wikipedia, he was involved in some, like, international drug smuggling scheme or something too. like that. Like, Uh-oh. Got caught by the FBI, like, 
So I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm going to lean with Len Barney. Yeah, hopefully that's in his book, uh, which I'll never get to, but it's it's there. Oh, I might want to read the book because I'm the one here on the three-man panel that actually watched Len Barney play. I loved the way he played. He, uh, he was a great defensive back as far as intercepting the ball, but he was electric, using one of your words, Jared, once yep. he caught the ball and also on kick and punt returns. See, you mentioned that Jack Christensen. A pretty good return man in his own right. 19.1 uh, return yards per attempt throughout his career. Yeah. Was he white as hell and slow as hell? Probably. He was, yep. But you can't argue with the stats. 19.1 yards? That's pretty good. And he was, a, he was a, I don't know if he made Hall of Fame or not, but I know he's right up there and played on some of the great Lion teams in the 50s, but it's unanimous Lem Barney here out of the gate. All right, let's, well, let's go right down the list as far as the teams go. So we'll go next to our next one for the Lions. Uh, another good matchup. It involves another great Lion defensive back and probably the greatest tight end the Lions have ever had. And number seven, Charlie Sanders against a guy that has maybe the best nickname ever, Dick Night Train Lane. It's from I looked. It's it's from a song I guess for by uh, Jimmy Forrest. It's terrible. The, the song's, song's terrible. Nineteen fifty. Does that knock jim, him down jim, a notch? Jam Jubilee is what it is. <laughs> is that what they call him? I don't know. I've, I've never heard that. But, yeah, the, let me say that I am 100% on the Dick uh, Night Train Lane uh, train. How about that for a pun? Because it was lame. Charlie Sanders, listen to these stats. Uh-huh. Uh, his, like, great year, all-conference in the Big Ten. This just shows you how bad football was. I can't imagine people watching this. Two uh, two TDs, two hundred fourteen yards, all conference Big Ten. Where was he at? Min- Did he go to Minnesota? Yeah, two touchdowns, two hundred fourteen yards. Hmm. Yeah, that's not very impressive. But I- I'm going Night Train just because of the the nickname. But also, you know what I noticed on this Night Train as well? He had fourteen interceptions. He leads the NFL in interceptions this season, fourteen right. in like nineteen fifty two. Right. How does someone have fourteen interceptions in nineteen forty two? And I think or, that was with a different team, the Rams or somebody. It wasn't with the Lions, okay. was it? I, but still, how does that happen though? Every time, well, every single time the quarterback thrown was it getting intercepted? Like I can't imagine how bad those quarterbacks were throwing. <laughs> Literally, must have just been direct bullets to them. Well, they they weren't picture perfect throwers back in those days for sure. And I, I'm going to make it unanimous on that one too. Even though I love Charlie Sanders, he was probably one of the top two tight ends in his era with John Mackey of the Colts, but I'm going with Night Train Lane. Obviously, the nickname gets you points, but he was famous for doing necktie tackles. You know what that is, don't you? Where you yeah, just horse cuff collar. them, horse collar, well, not horse collar, no, neck necktie. <laughs> they they hit them right underneath the chin with I their elbows. Yeah, it's a great tackle. Oh, so they, they outlawed that one, but Night Train gets that one. All right, uh, Tigers. This is our goat tournament for three point pod. Uh, we're going to have to go off your research on this one, Jared. Number eight, Hal Neuhauser against number nine, Harry Heilman. Okay, so Hal Neuhauser, uh, he tried joining World War II but couldn't because he had like a heart defect. Mm-hmm. But the thing with that is that's when he was at his best. When literally, I think every single guy I've ever researched from 1942 in sports was in World War War II. So he's going against some scrub-a-dubs at that time. Good call on that because that was one of the – the the World War II era in Major League Baseball totally suffered. Because, you know, most of the the real good players, most of the decent players were in the the war. This is something I don't know. A league of their own. Was that something that really happened? Yeah, and that started because – That shows you how bad. Whole wow, that shows you how bad. So that takes were. you down a notch if you're Hank Greenberg, right? By the way, my parents watch that movie or Hal like every other week. It's a classic. But yeah, so Hal Neuheiser, he's out. Uh, Neuhauser. I'm going with uh, Harry Heilman. 
And what's he his stats? He saved a woman from drowning in a lake one time out of her car. So that's about as far as I got into his research, and that was enough for me to put him through. See, I thought the the Hailman dude would would have a knockout after your research, Jared, because I saw his nickname is Slug. I actually did make a note of that. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's pretty bad. funny. But I, I saw his career batting average is three forty two. That's pretty impressive. So I'm I'm going to lean towards Slug just because he hit three forty two. You got to go with Slug. He's a Hall of Famer he was too. Nickname Slug and he played outfield. How is that even? That just shows you the. Maybe it's because he slugged the ball. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was because of his speed. They made it very clear. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> very slow. Okay, well, let's go to another slow guy. It's a good matchup here, keeping it with the Tigers. Number five, Hank Greenberg against JV, Justin Verlander, number 12 seed. See, this one. This one's near and dear to my heart. As we know, I think I mentioned it before, but I went to the Justin Verlander no-hitter game. His first one, right? Yeah, his first no-hitter against the Brewers, I believe. Mm-hmm. Great memory. But that just shows you how bad baseball is, that that's, like, the coolest thing I've ever done sports-wise, but I could care less about, like, baseball. Great memory, though. But so, hey, going, to, going to see a no-hitter is pretty awesome. Oh, Do I really, did I really know what was going on now? Uh, like you did afterwards. Old. You were just giddy. You you were I, but, giddy about it. Are you kidding me? I remember, like, get going on, and I couldn't tell you. And you were a baseball really fan back then, then, too. You played even played Little fan. League, didn't you? Or I think that's really – Midget I was, League? Me and my dad were really talking about it, like, yeah. kind of heart-to-heart, like, yeah. why I don't like baseball anymore. I think it was because I just stopped playing. Probably. But also, Probably. I kind of stopped playing, so here's a little side story. Dive into my – this is very interesting to me. Maybe people won't find this interesting. So my we'll, last we'll be the game judge. I, last game I ever pitched, Little League. <laughs> um, championship game. I was the ace all throughout the season. Led right. us all the way there. Pitched, pitched in the semifinals the same day. Pitched later in the championship under the lights. Yeah. So I did the old uh, walk around, walk them around the carousel. Uh, <laughs> walk them around the carousel. You know where they score like ten runs and blew the it. whole season for our team. Oh. Undefeated team. Oh. Completely upset. I denounced uh, playing baseball right then and there. Some say I quit. I, I yeah, I quit baseball. I, <laughs> I think that's I, what happened to my golf game. <laughs> So, but yeah. So, and and then Hank Greenberg to to kind of bring it all around. Hank Greenberg, uh, his nickname's the Hammer and Hank. Anytime you're the other of a nickname, that's when you know you're you're just not. I can't put you through. Kind of like Iron Mike tight. Yeah, Iron but he Mike. would have been the he would have been the original Hammer like, and Hank. I but I don't care. <laughs> you get overplaced. Kind of like Iron Mike Digga got replaced by uh, Iron Mike. So you're going JV. Yeah, JV. Matt. Yeah, I, I mean, Hank Greenberg, I, I know he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. I mean, I think he, he had 183 RBIs in one season. It's like third most ever, so, I mean, that's impressive. But, yeah, I, maybe it's because we grew up in this era, but I can't go against Verlander. I mean, won an MVP, a couple Cy Youngs. And, and the side note, too, is he's married to Kate Upton. Well, that does give you bonus points. I'll have to admit to that. A nude picture of his like butt with Kate Upton in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> we're putting JV down, but I'm definitely on the opposite. That that's a major upset in my mind. Hank Greenberg, one of the greatest players of all time, played in the era of Babe Ruth and uh, or not Babe Ruth, but Joe DiMaggio. He did. Uh, I think he spent four years in the in the war was a war hero, was one of the first Jewish players, really, to make a name for himself in that era of uh, prejudice. But you look at his numbers, they're tremendous. He's definitely, uh, that's a big upset there going with JV, but can't knock it. It's yeah, majority it. rules. Yeah, majority rules. All right. See that, you, you mentioned that he's one of the, the greatest or one of the first great Jewish baseball players. Right. He the, the season that he hit, I think, 58 home runs, so he almost broke Babe Ruth's single-season right. home run record. I guess at the end of the season, like the last five or six games, his walks 
just went up a lot. Yeah, they went. And people were speculating that they were walking him just because they didn't want a Jewish player to break the record. There's no doubt that happened. I mean, I wasn't there, but I am totally confident that that's what happened. It's crazy. Yep. All right, uh, let's move it over as quick as we can here on the other side. We got the Pistons, Dennis Rodman against Dave DeBusher. A couple of great Pistons. Okay, so I'll t- I'll take the lead with this one. So Dave De- Dave DeBusher, so many stats, uh, started the whiteout tradition with his high school team. I guess like the crowd like wearing white shirts. Oh, how about that? Um, six all-defensive teams, two titles, eight all-stars. Very accomplished. With that said, uh, Rodman. I mean, <laughs> it's Dave. De, his name is Dave DeBusher. Dave DeBusher. DeBusher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I I liked Rodman back when he was playing for the Pistons. I liked him through the rest of his career too. He's, I don't know what's going on with him now, but you know, as a player with the Pistons, he was pretty awesome. But I saw DeBusher. He is one of the first player coaches. He was a player coach for the Pistons for like three years or something like yep. that. And he pitched for the White Sox too. So I mean. There's not very many that not very many guys. I think I saw like 13 guys that played in the NBA and in Major League Baseball. So that's actually really impressive. He was a great player, and he was a solid cog on the uh, New York Knicks teams that won a uh, couple championships, I believe, back in the late 60s and early 70s. But are you going with Rodman there, Matt? I'm going with Rodman, man. I can't go against the worm. Yep. I, I'm going to go with Rodman, too, though. DeBusher was a great player. Here's another interesting matchup. And, and again, Jared, you're, you're, you're the research guy, you and Matt. I'm just going by my memory because I've seen all these guys play, including, uh, you know, Hal Newhauser. But uh, let's go with Bill Lambeer, a number seven seed against Grant Hill. A 10. Grant, I forgot. I was doing some research. Grant Hill, wow. What a, he was, until he, first time with the Pistons in six years. So he he had nine thousand three hundred ninety three points, three thousand four hundred seventeen boards, and like twenty two thousand seven hundred twenty assists. Like only behind at the, after six years in his career, only behind LeBron James, Bird, and Oscar Robinson in that in that regard. That's and he pretty good stats. But he left, and he's rookie of the year. I mean, six seasons. I Bill Ambeer. I what I don't honestly. This is the funniest thing I got from Bill Ambeer. He led the league in rebounds in 1986, and I think that just shows you how bad the NBA was. Bill Lambeer, it's like well, the Kevin Love effect. He, he, now he was pretty tough on the boards. He really was. I'm voting for Bill Lambeer. I like Grant Hill. I thought those stats you just threw out there pretty good, but I loved what Lambeer brought to the bad boys, and it's okay. hard for me to go against the bad but boys. for his time with the Pistons, Grant Hill, you've read, you heard the stats. Incredible. You're taking Grant Hill, I take it. Yes. So the tiebreaker is Matt. Hey, man, this is another t- tough one to me because I, I have, and I, when I was a kid, I got these jerseys. I still have them. I have three Grant Hill jerseys. I have the teal one, a red one, and a blue one. So I was a big Grant Hill fan. But, I mean, Bill Ambeer, he was like the anchor of that bad boys team. Him and Rick Mahorn, I mean, they held, held down the paint. And they, I mean, the Jordan rules were basically resolved around his defense. So Bill Ambeer is, I mean, he, he's like a legend with the Pistons, but, I, I can't go against Grant Hill. He he would have been if his, his injuries didn't derail his career. He he'd be one of the best players ever. All right, sorry about that, Bill, but you're gone. All right, so that takes care of our Pistons. Our final category, the one we know everything about, and that's hockey and the Red Wings. Right, guys? A four against a thirteen. Alex Delvecchio against Brandon Brendan Shanahan. And by the way, last week I think I made a wrong statement when I said terrible Ted Lindsay was a part of the uh, production line with Gordy Howe and Delvecchio. It was actually Sid Abel was the third member, but uh, 
You know, sometimes I don't, I don't think that we caught that. I don't think anybody do listening research. probably did either. Research. My research is right up here in the noggin. Okay, Delvecchio against Shanahan. When I hear the name Delvecchio, you know what I think of like uh, backyard baseball. Did you ever play that? Uh, Danny Delvecchio. He was like a nope Italian guy on the. Okay, so other. I think I'm alone in that reference, Matt. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Nope. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. So this is a pretty easy one for me. Uh, Alex Delvecchio, second in all offensive rankings behind Howe for the um, for Detroit the, Red Wings. Mm-hmm. As soon as he retired, he was named the coach and the GM. I, that's all I needed that's to hear. That's impressive. I thought I thought the only thing you would need to hear is Delvecchio's nickname. What was or, that? Which was? Fats. I did not know that, no. Ooh. Move him, move him I did, that's a fun fact. I did not know that. I figured that would tip the scale for you, but uh, I got to go Shanahan just because the same reason that I picked Sergey Fedorov is because NHL 96 for Super Nintendo, Brennan Shanahan's slap shot was unstoppable. Yeah, I'm the tiebreaker on this one, and I'm, I've am i got to go with the old guy, Del Vecchio. I like it. Shanahan, uh, he had a real nice career with the Red Wings. I also think of him, didn't he play with the, the Blackhawks at one time? Yeah, he bounced around. I feel like the Flyers maybe, and yeah, he bounced around. I mean, it's a tough decision, but I'm going with AD on that one, so f- finally I get a tiebreaker vote. Now, this is one I hope you guys saw in your uh, in your research, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it up if you didn't. Terry Sawchuk, he played on the Red Wings teams in the 50s, taking on Henrik Zetterberg. That's a 6 against 11. Sawchuk is the 6th so, seed. Terry Sawchuk. Uh, you go to his Wikipedia photo. Best research tool ever, by the way, Wikipedia. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Michael Scott, anyone posts on it so you know you're getting the best information. <laughs> but his haircut, you, it's, he's got a great military cut. You, it's a haircut you could set your watch to. Look up while you're, while you're talking. Look up Terry Sawchuck, uh, scarred face. Okay. See if that photo pops but, up. Uh, what really turned me off of Sawchuck was that he... Uh, had like a domestic uh, violence dispute with his wife and okay. Peter or something like that. So Ooh. that was enough for me to was he uh, convicted against him? Not sure. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia, the Wikipedia court has ruled that he is guilty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you're going against Sawchuck? Is that what you're saying? You're going yeah. with Zetterberg, one of the best Red Wings what ever. What happened to his face, though? Looking at his face, do you know? Yeah, well, the, there's a famous picture of Sawchuck where he has his whole face is full of scars. Yeah. Is that the picture you're looking yeah, at? What happened? They didn't wear a mask in those days. Dude, oh my How goodness. tough do you got to be? Sawchuck gets you my vote so for stupid. that alone. You are so stupid. How about you, Matt? I mean, I was going to go Zetterberg. I didn't even do any research because Zetterberg is one of my favorite players for the Red Wings in, in this recent era. But just that alone, I, I did see that picture of Sawchuck and thinking about that and not wearing a mask. That, that makes me lean towards Terry Sawchuck. We're going to move Sawchuck out if you guys are okay with oh, it. Yeah, no, go ahead. The uh, domestic uh, dispute, everything included. Go ahead, move them on, guys. All right. Glad I'm not on that side of the Well, that's this week's uh, Tournament of Goat here on Three Point Pod, and uh, we're having fun with it. I like I like the research you guys do, and I add the old man perspective, and maybe we're the only ones that enjoy it, but I, it's fun. No, I, I laugh most of the time when I start doing research on these old players. Like the stuff that old baseball stories are just funny. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we're going to call it a pod, fellas. Uh, what do you say? We take a week off for the Fourth of July. 
Yeah, it seems like every other network, TV stations and shows, they take the 4th of July week off, so we may as well, too. Why not? And I, for one, am doing nothing for the 4th of July. Sounds good. Yeah, when it falls in the middle of the week, it's kind of a tough one. I did get my ticket ordered for Faster Horses, though. I am very much looking forward to that. Did you get, did you get a paid ticket, or did you get I a did press not. pass? Uh, sent three emails, no response. No response? So, yeah. Now, when is that? Uh, July 18th, 19th, and 20th. Do you know what he's talking about there, Matt? I am, yeah, at, at MIS, right? Yeah, it's a huge, huge festival. country festival. I cannot wait. If, I, there's something I've heard of, like, it's where girls don't wear shirts at this one place. Right. I, that's what I heard of. Now, if I was your guy's age, I'd be all over that. I would go to it now as long as I would have some comfort. You know, I'd have seat to sit in and wouldn't have to stand up and battle the crowd. That's what happens when you become a cranky old man. But it's they always get great talent there. I mean, I'm talking the talent. On the stage, and obviously the talent <laughs> off the stage. Nice. Huh? Oh, that's that's one of the bigger country festivals, uh, like the tour around the the country. They get a, yeah a lot of good names. So, are you going to all three days, Jared? Or are you just going to one day? Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Oh my god! Sunday. Are you guys? Are you camping down there? Are you going to stay, or are yep. you going to come back to town, or what we are you going to do? Camping. Drink, drink lots of water. It's going to be hot. Yep. You're going to be dehydrated we'll if you know what water, I mean. Yep. That's the biggest thing with those festivals. I don't know if you've ever been to a music festival like that, but I've I've been to some like the Warp Tour and stuff like that back in the day. You got to pace yourself. Yeah, think, you, you think that you can last all day? Pace yourself, man. Yeah, don't overdo it yeah, the first day, or you'll really I mean, suffer. Pace yourself for what? The concerts? Yeah, just the concerts. Yeah, that's what okay. we mean. Long day, man. <laughs> we'll save political talk for another day. Uh, you, know, you, you have to even throw the political political talk in. I'm blown away by what goes on out I there. Mean to get you going. No, no, yeah, I better not get going. All I can say is, I don't know if this is going to be our new slogan or not. You talked about the golden rule last week, there, Matt. Yep. But uh, I think ours sign off should be "Don't be an asshole," and that's just, we could say that every week by what goes on, and it's again bipartisan. All the stuff going on. Just real quick, the Red Hen Restaurant. Did you follow that story? You where they kicked resist. Sarah. Sta- they kicked resist. Sarah Sanders. You could not resist. The owner of a restaurant says. You, you're out of here. You work for Trump. Now, come on, people. And then Maxine Waters on the other side of the aisle, she's, a, she's actually a, a politician. I think she's in Congress. She's telling people, she's stirring them all up to harass all Trump staffers wherever they're out in public. Now, what's going on in this world? This is just ridiculous. It, it's getting out of control, that's for it sure. It is. It is on both sides. And people need to relax a little bit. And like I said, don't be an asshole. Okay. An asshole. Whenever that, whenever a situation comes up, if you remember that, cooler heads usually prevail. Amen. All right. Well, everybody out there, remember share this pod with all your friends. Give us your feedback. Email us at threepointpod at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter at z ninety two five sports guy. That's me, Matt. You're at Burnsy three eight one, and I'm at Jared Fatel. And, of course, Jack Straps at JackStrap88. And, again, I want to thank our sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. And also big thanks to Ryan Terpstra. You can follow him on Twitter at Terp himself. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.